It was a big moment. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, so it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. See, how many know now we can get into the cliche part? Because we've heard this so many times that it's like a, it's a song, right? But fight against it, and let's hear the truth of what's actually being said here. And it says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. So let's imagine this for a minute. There's just some dudes. There's just some shepherds out in the field. And all of a sudden, here comes an angel to make an announcement about the birth of the creator of the world. How many know that Jesus created everything? All things were created by him. All things were created through him. Jesus is the word of God. God spoke everything to existence. So the creator is coming to earth in human form. So this is a massive day in heaven. It's also a massive day in hell because they're probably scared because they don't know what's going to happen. But now God is coming to live in man. And so this angel comes to make this powerful announcement and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. Not just the angel, around all of them. This had to be the most intense experience. And they were greatly afraid, so they were totally wigged out because it was like a supernatural moment. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So the angel's coming, right? And he's saying, I have good news for everybody on earth. I mean, all this sounds like the gospel, right? Because there's about to be a message that's going to come out of this baby that's going to last for thousands of years, and it's a message of love and reconciliation. I mean, you know, Jesus did not come to earth to condemn the earth. He came to save. He came to save. God's not looking to condemn one single human being on this planet. God wants to save every single human being on this planet. It's God's will that all men would be saved. But the challenge is, is man was immersed into death after the fall. And so God is trying to pull man out of death. And the way he does that is through his son, Jesus. And so it's, 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 the, it's the best news in the world. Bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then I love this part, because I can just imagine the intensity of this moment. And suddenly there was, the, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying. So the way I visualize it, the angel's telling them all this stuff. And I think it's so cool that, that God chose to reveal this to shepherds. God always looks to the lowly. He didn't reveal this to 
you know, to Caesar or kings and priests and famous people in castles, just some guys out in the field, right? And I love that about God. God loves humble things. And, and so they make this announcement. All of a sudden, the entire sky lights up with angels in the glory of God, declaring this next statement, that, and they're singing it. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, and goodwill towards men. Now, once again, this is, that's a statement that's grown cliche from you know, Christmas carols and songs and movies, but I want to break down what's actually being said. Because this is not just Christmas fodder. This is the most powerful being in the universe declaring how he feels about his creation that he made. Because now God has a way for man to step out of death and into life. See, when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, it created a real problem. It created it cre- all the hell that everyone's have experienced on this planet are the product of three different things. Mankind, through Adam, chose to believe the enemy, and then we have an enemy on the planet, and then we also have free will. And so what that means is Earth as a whole is a dumpster fire. I mean, there are things that have happened to you guys and to me that should have never happened to you. You've been hurt, you've been abused, you've seen sickness, you've seen disease, you've seen awful things, and that's because God's perfect will is not happening on this planet right now. It's very important to understand that. Because if you think that God's perfect will is happening on this planet right now, you cannot conclude that God is good. If everything happening on this planet is what God wants, then God's not good. God's evil. Because right now people are dying of starvation. People are being raped. People are being hurt. I mean, oh, there's wars. All kinds of crazy stuff. So God's perfect will is not happening on this planet. How do you know that, Jeremiah? Because when Jesus came, number one, Jesus demonstrated God in the earth. I mean, you know, Jesus never hurt anybody. Jesus never put sickness on anybody, never put disease on anybody. How I many you know, Jesus went around healing people, helping people, and loving people. Can I get an amen? Jesus showed us what God was like. But Jesus told his disciples, he said, pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? That means that God's will is being perfectly done in heaven. God's will is not being perfectly done on earth. In order for God's will to be done on earth, we must pray. Because as human beings, we've been given authority over this world. And so when you press, like when somebody gets saved, they call upon the name of the Lord. God won't make anybody get saved. You've been given free will. You have to choose it. And then, you know, when we... When we pray for things, we are inviting God into this world so that God can display His power. But God needs invitation from man. God needs permission from man because God has given man the authority. That's why God had to come as a man to restore authority. God couldn't just come down here and fix everything. No, because God already gave authority to man and God's not a liar. Once God does something, He's like, once I said it, that's what's up. I don't change my mind. And so Jesus had to come, God had to come in the form of a man to take care of all the problems and then restore authority back to man and then go back to heaven. So what you have to understand is the reason we pray, 
the reason that we stand, the reason we do the things that we do, because we want God's will, just like it's being done in heaven, to be done on earth. Amen. Sickness and disease, not God's will. Poverty and lack, not God's will. Um, uh, death and destruction, not God's will. Death is not God's will for mankind. The Bible says death will be the last enemy that the Bible seen. Do you know there'll come a day in time when you'll never see death again? You'll never deal with death again. No one will ever die again. There will be no separation any longer. You'll see no form of death. Not in the form of sickness, not in the form of aging. There'll be no more death. Why? Because death was not God's plan. God's not the author of death. The devil is. Death is simply the absence of life. And so you have to understand that God's will is not being perfectly done on this planet. God's will is heaven. In heaven, there's no sickness There's no disease, there's no poverty, there's no lack, there's no depression, none of those things. And we, as a race of beings, are moving in that direction when the kingdom of God is established and there'll be no more of that operating ever again. The Bible says every tear will be dried. There'll be no more tears, there'll be no more depression. But, But right now, we're in a war zone. This is a battle for people's souls. God is looking to save as many people as he can, and the devil's looking to destroy as many people as he can. So right now, there's, there is, this, is a, this is a war zone. And, and so there are things that are happening on this planet that's not God's will. And that's, you know, just like when I was involved in drug addiction and, and alcoholism and that stuff, that wasn't God's will. All those people who I hurt, that wasn't God's will. All the hurt that was done to me, that wasn't God's will. But now that I'm a believer, I can choose God's will, and He will take, whereas I used to hurt people, I now help people. Whereas I used to, you know, do all the bad things I did, I'm now a part of the answer rather than being a part of the problem. But at the end of the day, it's it's also simply by choice. I'm choosing to allow Jesus to flow through me. Amen. And how many of you we all have that choice? As believers, how many know we're not supposed to act like we're better than other people? Can I get an amen? There's nobody that's any better than anybody else. Your your part now is to love people and to help people because we want want to save as many people from hurting as we can because our God is love and our God loves us and our God has healed us and God wants to heal other people, right? Can I get an amen? And And so, but currently on earth, it's rough. And will always be rough until Jesus establishes his kingdom. But in this statement, he is saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And so this statement of peace is God is revealing. And then this, this last word, goodwill towards men. Like, how I many know we don't use the term goodwill probably that often in our daily vernacular? We just don't. And it, it, and it really, it could have been translated better. In the Greek, it's the word eudokia, and it means with whom he's well pleased. So the state with whom he's well pleased, that's what that word means. It's one word, eudokia, with whom he's well pleased. So God came and said, peace on earth, I'm well pleased with mankind. I love you. I made you. I want to rescue you from death. This is your avenue of salvation, this little baby that's in this manger right now. This this one is going to die death for you. He's going to take sin onto himself for you. 
He's going to conquer your sin. He's going to conquer your death. And He's going to be raised again from the dead. And He'll never die again. And then He's going to open the doorway for everyone to come out of darkness in the light. Everyone to come out of death and destruction and pain and all of those things into light. How I many of oh, Jesus is the doorway? He is, he, is, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so God came to fix our problems through Jesus. But we would always, He would never take away from us the ability to choose. We can choose Him or we cannot choose Him. I rejected Him for the first 19 years of my life, and the reason I rejected Him is I thought He was something that He actually wasn't. I was like, man, if i got to be religious to get to heaven, y'all can have that place. Because y'all, I don't like y'all, you know. For real, I mean, I did not like Christians, man. And I was like, man, y'all are the meanest people on earth, man. And, but come to find out, Jesus just was not being represented properly. But then throughout my life, I would have encounters with certain people who would reveal Jesus to me. I remember there's this guy that worked at a gas station in, in Versailles, Kentucky. And he was the kindest, most loving, happiest person I'd ever met in my entire life. I don't know his name. I don't, all I know is the man had Jesus in him. I encountered Jesus in him. And then there was another guy that worked at Subway. And it was the same way. Like, I encounter, I mean, you know, you know when you encounter somebody who cares about you. And, and so throughout my life, and that teacher in high school, I encountered Jesus through him because, like, he actually cared about me. And so I'm not saying all Christians are bad. I'm not saying all religious people are bad. I'm not saying all churches are bad. I mean, I'm a pastor. <clears throat> pastor, I've been in the ministry for a long time. <clears throat> but what I am saying is just because somebody acts like they know God don't mean they actually do. And the litmus test of whether they know God or not is how they treat people. The love and the kindness. But the Lord came and he made an announcement to the earth that I'm not mad. I love you. And I'm going to, thank you, I'm going to save you. I'm going to fix you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to help you. And the Amplified actually says it better. It says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth among men with whom he is well pleased. 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 Like he, he loves his creation. See, so many times people think God's mad and God's angry and God's getting... No, God loves us. But God doesn't want us abiding in death. He wants us to come out of death and into life. And so, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. He came bearing to mankind that the war is over. You're about to see who God is in me. And you're going to find out that God loves you and God wants peace with you. Powerful, isn't it? I mean, if you know God's for you, you don't have anything to be afraid of. And see, that's always, the enemy's always trying to convince people that God's not for them, but God's against them. And it's not true, it's a lie. God is for us, God loves us, and God wants to convince us of this reality so that we can walk around with some of the peace that, 
that Brian was talking about earlier. When you know God's on your team and you know God likes you and God delights in you, you have peace. And what you have to understand is God doesn't like you when you do everything right and then not like you when you do things that are wrong. That's some growth right there. You've got to know God likes you even when you're acting like an idiot. Hard to believe, right? But it's true, though. Like, I don't, when my kids act dumb, I still love my kids because of who they are, right? So, like, if I'm good enough to love my kids through their tough moments, how much better is God loving you through your tough moments? But we've been taught that God was mad at us or against us, and what, it, what happened, it actually caused us to withdraw from relationship with Him. No, God loves you. God's for you. Now, when you do dumb stuff, you will get dumb results. And it's not God's fault. That's important to understand. I'm not saying that we're absolved from responsibility for our actions or our behaviors. If you do dumb stuff, you're going to get dumb results. But the cool thing about God is, is he'll, he'll rescue you even out of the results. He'll help you. He'll always help you. He'll always love you. But the issue is just knowing him and finding out who he actually is. And he's good. And he loves you. You know, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, He himself is our peace. Jesus has become our place of peace. And, and you know, it's not an issue of the fact of whether God, God's always loved us. Even after Adam and Eve fell, God still loved them. God still came down to spend time with them. They did not feel worthy of God. They removed themselves from relationship with God. That's what condemnation does. Condemnation causes your heart to grow hard against God. And that's one of the dangers of sin. <clears throat> sin As a born-again child of God, sin does not have the ability to remove you out of fellowship with God. It doesn't have the ability to remove you as a child of God. If you, if you could fail and all of a sudden you were born again backward, then the cross wasn't a success. No, I'm a child of God. I'm going to be a child of God all the days of my life. I'm never not going to be right with God because my rightness with God is a person, not a behavior. I am in Christ. I'm right with God. Praise God. Now, God wants me to do good, good and right things because it's going to make my life better, and it's also going to help me to represent him better in the earth. And I've been given a nature that is a love nature, and God wants me to grow and develop in that to where when people see me, they see Jesus in me. Okay, get an amen. God wants that for you. But you're not going to send God away. You're not going to cause God to become your enemy because you make a mistake. That's just not the truth, man. You know, and we can understand that in terms of, of normal relationship. You know, how I many you know if, you're, if your child was walking around on eggshells scared that all of a sudden you were going to reject them because they made a mistake, how I many you know you wouldn't have a good relationship with your child? They would, the, your child would be twisted in the way that they came to you because they, they would never feel comfortable being themselves, right? And so God's the same way. God is not looking to reject any of us. God wants, he loves us. And the reality is when you understand that you have the faithfulness of God, even in your own unfaithfulness, when you have the love of God, even in your own mistakes, you know what it does? It actually keeps you from making as many mistakes. It actually causes you to fall in love with him. 
You actually want to live a life that glorifies his name because you're so grateful for how much he loves you. It's awesome. It's awesome to be loved like this. It's, it's life-changing. And, and in 2 Peter, in, in chapter 1, and in verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, of Jesus our Lord. Here's the thing. The more you get to know God, who He actually is, the more peace you have. The more you get to know Him. The more you find out that He loves you. The more that you find out that He's for you. It actually multi- it causes you to be more at peace. You know, there was a time in my life when I didn't really know God, but I was serving God, and I lived wigged out because I thought, man, God hates me. God loves me. God hates me. God loves me. God hates me. Hates me, hates me, hates me. Loves me, loves me, loves me. And I was just, yeah, man. And like, and, and so wigged out. Got to make sure I give enough so God likes me, you know. Got to make sure I say the right thing so God likes me. And you know what? It made, it made me a flat-out weirdo, man. I mean, I was a Christian weirdo. I mean, I was. And, and, and I was in this place of just performance, of just like, got to do everything right. Got to do everything right. And, and what, 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 what happened was I didn't know it. I was serving him, but I didn't know him. Now, on the other side of that, I now know that he loves me on my good days and on my bad days. And you know what it does? It brings a stability into my life to where I'm not constantly thinking that I'm going to fail and I'm going to fall short. How I many you know if you're scared that you're going to fail, you are? Why is it that someone can hit um, a free throw in their backyard on their basketball goal with no problem, but then you put them in a game situation where all these people are watching them, and that free throw becomes the hardest thing in the world to hit? Because in one instance, you're not concerned of failure, and the other instance, you're concerned of failure. And when you are constantly thinking about failing, that's what you're going to do. And I'll give you another example. Let's say we take a two-by-four and we sit it down here on the ground. I give this example all the time, but it helps us understand it. And say, I'm going to put this two-by-four right here on the floor, and I'm just going to walk on the two-by-four. I mean, I have no problem doing that. But if I take that same two-by-four and I raise it 200 feet in the air, I mean, all of a sudden, walking that two-by-four becomes difficult because I'm afraid of failing. But what you have to understand is Jesus took the two-by-four and brought it down on the ground. So when you fail, God's right there to pick you up. All your life, He's never going to stop picking you up. Why? Because He's cool like that. Like, he's, 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 he's good. Like, He's, I don't know, this is where words fail me. I don't even know what to say. All I'm just saying, like, God is better than we've imagined Him to be. And when you understand, like, if I understand now, all right, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Oh, I did something stupid. I now know he's still here. He still loves me. He's going to bring me back to the right place because he knows the wrong place. I can get hurt and I can hurt other people. And he always wants me to, to love people and to love myself. And so when you start realizing that, how many know it becomes easier to do the right thing? you actually start becoming more effective at doing the right thing because you're not in a constant state of being afraid of failure. I mean, does that sound like a relationship, guys? See, you, you have a relationship with someone who loves you unconditionally. 
This is not a conditional love. This is an unconditional love. And it can be hard to wrap your head around unconditional love because no one has ever loved you unconditionally. And we always talk about the power of a mother's love, and mother's love is very powerful. But it's still not like it's still not as powerful as God's love. Because there's no selfishness in God's love. And, and this is a love unlike anything any of us have ever encountered. And when you get around that love, like, ah, oh, it just changes you. But it's so important to see the clear picture of who God is so that you don't have to live wigged out. So a couple more places and we close here. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking about relationship. Because your relationship with God is not a performance, man. It's not. He loves you just the way you are. But so many times people slip into performance in their relationship with God. Because every place else demands performance from you. I mean, as a young person, school demands performance. You've got to perform well on the test. Sports demands performance. Job demands performance. People demands performance. But God, he's like, mm, I love you just the way you are. But see, God knows this. If you can receive his love and his acceptance, it'll actually change your performance and make it better. But it'll come out of a heart that's healed. Amen? Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Jesus speaking. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, your relationship with Jesus should be easy and light. Your relationship with God should be easy and light. Your relationship with God should never be difficult. Your relationship with God should be the easiest part of your life. We make it so hard. should be easy and light. Jesus said, learn of me. My yoke is easy and light. My relationship with you is easy and light. Now, I'm not saying life is easy and light. Life is hard. And it's hard to be a Christian. Because you've got to go against what everybody else is doing, especially in this modern age. Everybody's against Christianity. It's just a part of being on earth, man. This is this, is this part of the, of the section of the, of the chapter. Eventually... Everybody who's left will believe in Jesus, you know. But right now, you're the minority. So enjoy it. You get to co-labor with the Lord. You get to overcome enemies. You get to do cool stuff because it ain't always going to be this way. This is a small sliver of existence that your life is. But your relationship with the Lord should be the easy. How many know if you know somebody loves you unconditionally and they've given you a forgiveness that is never going to run out, and they're the most powerful being in the universe, and they live on the inside of you, and they've given you a big text message to help you figure out how to live your life, and they're always for you, and they always love you, and they're always there for you, and you are actually created by them. I mean, you know, that has the potential to be a great relationship. It's not good, and what messes it up is when you think that you have to perform to get it. And that's what the enemy works over time trying to do is to get people in a place of performance. No, no, God loves you just the way you are. And it's, it's a totally different dynamic. Like in our, in our youth camp, and we'll, we'll turn to Luke chapter 12, but in our youth camp, like we have this youth camp. We've been doing it for probably six, seven years. And like, you know, you go to most youth camps, you have all these rules. Like rules, 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 rules. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Blah, 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 blah. And you know what it does? All the kids just want to break the rules. 
Because all you do is shove rules down their throat. We, when we do our youth camp, we, we have like, girls don't go in the boys' dorm, boys don't go in the girls' dorm. I think that's our only rule. I don't think we have another rule in that. Why? Because I'm going to demonstrate love and respect towards these kids. I'm going to respect them. It's extremely important. People spend a lot of time disrespecting young people. You are not going to get respect by disrespect. I respect them. I honor them. I love them. And you know what happens? We have not had one behavioral problem in six years of doing that youth camp. Not one time. It's like days of heaven on the earth. Everybody's happy. Everybody's loving each other. Everybody's, and we're not walking around telling everybody what to wear, telling everybody how to do their hair, telling everybody what, all this bunch of crap. We're not doing that. We're just majoring on the major. We love them. And then they love each other. And it's multi, we have all different ethnicities and, we, you know, and, and, and races, and, and there's just a sense of unity. Nobody acts like they're better than anybody else. And it's awesome, isn't it? It's a wonderful time, but, but what's done is we're not putting them in a performance environment. Listen, I'm not saying that you don't, you don't need to have certain rules in place. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is when love is present, rules aren't needed as much. If I love you, and you love me, and we love God, we're all going to be all right. And we don't got to spend 20 years telling everybody what to do. It's called maturity. It's called maturity. And so I'm not going to stand up here and talk about sin on Sunday morning. I'm not going to stand up here and talk about right and wrong. I mean, there's, I'm, there's a time for that. But, like, my primary thing I'm going to talk about is Jesus. Because when you have a relationship with Jesus, everything else is going to work out just fine. Everybody tracking me on that? And so Jesus' yoke is easy and light. Two more places and we close. Luke 12, and right here, I'm actually going to read this out of the Amplified, Stephanie. But religion does not produce peace. It produces the opposite of peace. And when I'm talking about religion, I'm talking about man-made religion. I'm talking about performance-based Christianity. And in Luke chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, In the meanwhile, when so many thousands of people had gathered, they were trampling on one another. And Jesus commenced by saying primarily to his disciples, Be on your guard against the leaven, or the ferment of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, producing unrest and violent agitation. One second. Producing unrest and violent agitation. And so where you see performance and man-made religion, there's an absence of peace. In other words, if I spent all morning telling all of us how bad we were and how we needed to try harder and do more, I mean, you know, no one would have peace and we would all be comparing ourselves with each other, competing against each other. And instead of having a relationship that was easy and light, we would have unrest and we would never feel like we measured up. And Jesus said, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees because it does not produce peace. How many of God's announcement when Jesus was born is peace on earth to all mankind in whom I am well pleased? It doesn't mean that God was pleased with every action and behavior that people doing. It just means that God valued them because he created them. Amen. Everybody tracking me on that? Daniel, did you have something you wanted to add to that, buddy?
Uh, that's just the A is like the first part of the verse and B is like the second part of the verse. That's a great question. That's a good Bible study question. All right, so final place, Isaiah 54. And then what I, this is the last thing I'm going to share with you. And um, this, what I'm about to share with you is going to be hard to believe. This is a difficult thing to believe. Um, people struggle believing this. I used to struggle believing this as well. But God, how I many you know in the Old Testament, God would make promises and prophecies concerning future things that were to happen. And you and I, we don't live under this old covenant anymore based upon performance and the awareness of sin. We're in a new covenant, and this new covenant is called the covenant of peace. And it's the same announcement that was made when baby Jesus was born. Peace on earth. So now you have a covenant with peace. And this covenant of peace says this, God's not mad at you, God's not against you, God loves you, and God is for you. It's a covenant of peace. It's an agreement of peace. See, God was never mad at mankind. God was mad at what was killing us, which was sin. Sin was killing us. And so God's wrath was poured out on death. God's wrath was poured out on what was destroying us. See, me, me and Logan has had this conversation before. But how many know love gets angry? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, give you an example. We were at the park a couple weeks ago, more than a couple weeks ago. We were at the park, and there was a bee out there messing with my kids, buzzing around my kids, messing with my kids, being all mad. You know what happened to the bee? I killed him. <laughs> because when you mess with what I love, you will receive my wrath. And so he died that day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and because I love my kids, I'm going to kill what's trying to hurt my kids. When, 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 when God poured out all of his wrath against sin on the cross, God was killing death. He killed death. Death died. Jesus rose up. Now death's game is over. Sin's game is over. And God's trying to bring as many people into Jesus that he can because he has a life where there is no death. And it's in Jesus Christ. Everybody tracking me on that? But then he makes this promise, and we're closing right here, about this covenant that he's going to do. It's pretty awesome. Isaiah 54 and verse 7, he says, For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you, nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart, the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed from you, says the Lord who has mercy on you. This is God's promise to you. He's never going to be mad at you. He's never going to be mad at you. God's not mad today. God's not mad. He's never going to be mad at you. Now, it doesn't mean that he won't correct you. I mean, you know, because I love my kids, I correct them. This is not an absence of correction. This what because any someone teaches an absence of correction, that's fatherlessness. You have to be corrected. If you're not corrected, then somebody don't care about you. 
Amen. That was one of my challenges in my childhood. Nobody corrected me because nobody cared. And so correction is a part of love. But what he has promised you, he said, I'm never going to be mad at you. Why? Because you've been given in the covenant of peace. So when he, when he came to earth, man, and, and they made that announcement, peace on earth and goodwill towards men, it was an announcement of the creator saying, I've made a way for my love to be demonstrated to you, and I want to rescue you from what hurts you. And so it's not just a cliche or a song that we sing. It's a, this is actually the way God feels about us. Amen? And um, it's good news. So I encourage you, if you grew up with this idea of an angry God or you grew up with this concept of performance, let Jesus take the two-by-four and put it on the ground for you. So that when you're walking with God and you misstep or you misstep or you misstep, He's right there to catch you and pick you back up and put you right back on the right path. Because he loves you, and the cross was that much of a success. How many of you know, that sounds more like a relationship. You're not walking on eggshells, folks. Jesus did such a good job that he, he took care of all that, and now he's invited you into a relationship. And it's not a relationship based upon your performance. You're not performing for God to prove your value. You have value because he created you and because he loves you and he just wants to be a father to you. He just wants to help you out, man. And the cool thing about God is he'll help you with anything you want help with. I'm talking anything, the smallest thing, the biggest thing, something that you think is little tiny. Well, God doesn't have time for that. Man, God has time for the pimple on the back of your head. He will, you pray to him and ask him about that. He loves, he cares about that. If you care about it, he cares about it. God will help you do anything. I mean, he's cool. Did you have something, Tim? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Come on, that's good, man. Oh, yeah, come on. Mm. Good. Good. Mm. When he shows us who he is. Because he's really awesome. Like, he really is. Like, he's, he's awesome. That's good, man. Yeah. Yeah. But I just want to, I'm 
Good. Nothing else, your wife, your kids, your friends, your job, your only, just only these things satisfy that part of you. Because there is a part of you that desires to be loved unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And until that desire is met in you, you will try to find it in other things, but you don't try to find it in him. And then when you do that, you show expectations on people that they cannot fulfill because they're not God. Mm-hmm. And we do it to our spouses, we do it to our kids, we do it to our loved ones. And we and it's even in the simple things. Sometimes it's worse than others. But there is such a higher level of relating and love that God is calling us to that we, that we desire to manifest in us so that the love of God can be shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit is receiving that love from Him daily, mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, that's the impact. The impact when you have when you get loved by God like this, you love people. And then like when you're loving people properly, everything in your life is better. All your relationships are better. But you can't give a love that you haven't first received. Good. Does anybody else have anything in closing? Anything to say? I was just thinking about yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Come on, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good. It carried him through. Carried him all the way to the to the top, man. It's good. Anybody else? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. awesome, man. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. You got to acknowledge him. Just ask him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's how powerful he is. I mean, he can be a part of every single aspect of our life. It's so good. Anybody else? 
Yeah, we love that one too. That's a that's a scripture that we declare because a lot of times you don't even know what you need. Right. You know what I'm saying? Life's too complicated. You don't know what you need. You're like, Lord, I thank you. You perfect that which concerns me. That's a good one. Anybody else? Any closing? Everybody good? All right, cool. Hallelujah. Well, if you will take up our offering too. If you need to give an envelope this morning, lift your hand up. We'll get one to you. Those of you guys watching online, if you guys want to give, gracepointgeorgetown.com. You can give. Thank you for supporting us. Everybody that's sitting at home, the, enjoying time with your family. We love you guys so much. Hope you have a Merry Christmas and hope you have a good time and praise God. And it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Hallelujah. Anyway, so Father, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity to give. We ask you to bless this offering and uh Lord, we just thank you that you bless our week, and uh, once again, Father, I just thank you that you draw everybody to yourself in a place of real relationship, and uh, help us to just recognize how awesome you are and how much you love us. Lord, we just thank you for just a blessed time, in Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you need prayer for anything, please see myself or see those around you, and you guys go and have an awesome week, and go overeat, God's pardoning the calories, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, I don't know.